because I'm a word person, to realize that just as some of us have been given a charism of being able to speak well, others have been given the charism of knowing how to keep still. Keeping still, and thus teaching and showing other people how to keep still. That's a marvelous and crucial gift of the Holy Spirit. And I remember one church I served which had the most exquisitely beautiful wooden cabinets all over, made by one of the members. And one day, the fellow who made those cabinets came to me and he said, Jeff, how is it possible for you to get up in front of a whole group of people and speak? He said, uh, he said that he marveled at that, that he could never do that in a million years. I could only respond that I could never, ever do the intricate, excellent, patient, finely crafted woodwork that he was able to do and give it to the church. I know and rejoice in my deepest soul that our God values equally the gift that she has given to each of us. And she longs equally for each of us that we put the gift we have been given at the service of God and the church. And I believe it's also important to recognize that, that other branches of Christ's church have charisms that we lack. For instance, the charism of celibacy. The gift that some people are given of being able to renounce sex, marriage, and children for the sake of giving oneself totally to Jesus Christ. Paul had been given this charism. It exists also in the other great religions, as you know. I'm in awe of it. And I hope that we can thank God that there are people who are given this charism. I could never do it. But it's, I think it's important for the human race that there are people who can, because they remind us that our destiny is not exhausted by even the most wonderful things, and that the future, our future in God, does not depend in any way on our biological functioning, appropriating. Our kind of church also has a charism that many churches lack. We have been given the gift of bringing democracy into the life of the church, above all, into the local congregation. As you know, in the United Church of Christ, each congregation is autonomous. Each congregation makes its own decision about its priorities, about how it's going to run its affairs, and, and uh, about its leadership ordained and lay who its leadership is going to be according to what God wants this particular church to be doing. Sometimes this goes along quite easily and well, but at other times this 
trying to function as a democracy within the church doesn't go so well. And when it doesn't go well, that's often not because there is confusion or at least not enough clarity about what the respective roles, the respective spiritual gifts, the respective charisms of the various church leaders, above all the pastor, but also the lay leaders of the congregation. You know, and so and this lack of clarity and, and flashing opinions and so on, it's inevitable because we human beings get confused, don't we? We get mixed up a lot. If I can speak from my personal experience, I have not, by any means, always been as clear as I should have been about my own proper role based on the particular charism which the Holy Spirit has given me, what my proper role should be in a given congregation. I've been called to serve. So I've made some big mistakes. And uh, at one point that led to a very painful time in my professional life. Fortunately, by the grace of God, I have been able, I think, to learn something from my mistakes. Most of us know something about King Saul, especially that he got into conflict with that charismatic young upstart David. Saul got jealous of David and worried that the people of Israel would come to prefer David over him, yet he was also chosen by God to be the first king in Israel. And Saul was, as we heard today, even given special, ecstatic, prophetic experience qualifying him for this authoritative role. It was an ecstatic inner experience of the presence of God, of the sort that you and I might love to have if we weren't scared to have it. But you would think that that experience would have qualified Saul not only to be king in Israel, but also to be a good, wise king. A king who would know his rightful role and his limits. You'd think. But read on in the book of Samuel. The fact of the matter is that the book of Samuel and the whole Hebrew Bible are very ambivalent about whether God's people should even have a king. But if it must be, then what is it that the king should be doing? What is he or she best at doing? If there has to be a big kahuna, what is his or her proper role, given the religious context? Given that then in ancient times and now today in contemporary Laguna Beach, we are talking about a community here which is focused on the ultimate things, the final things of our human life. 
And for that matter, should there be just one big kahuna? Shouldn't there be several equally powerful and spiritually gifted kahunas, lay as well as ordained, with basically co-equal authority? It's very complicated, this issue of proper spiritually gifted leadership in the beloved community. In free churches like the United Church of Christ, where we put a high premium on democratic procedure, we don't like the, the top-down, cut-and-dried system, for example, of the Catholics, do we? I mean, we think we've gotten beyond that. The problem is that whereas in the Catholic system it's pretty strictly defined what the priest does, what his authority is, what his gift is, and so on, in our system, this all tends to be very vague. In our beloved UCC, and I've got to tell you, I love the United Church of Christ. It's often true that we hardly have any agreed-on understanding of what even ordination to the ministry is, what spiritual gift it confers on the person ordained, in contrast to the equally important spiritual gifts, charisms given to the lay leaders of the congregation. And this means that there's going to be really different and conflicting ideas as to what the work and the role, for instance, of the pastor should be. I want to tell you one thing from my own experience. It's not possible for somebody in the position of pastor to meet successfully all of the expectations that the members of the congregation are likely to place on him or her. Preaching, teaching, administering, programming, counseling, visiting, raising money, relating to the community, speaking for myself, I know that I've been given the charism, the gift, to do a couple things in ministry pretty well. But in a lot of other things, I'm really lousy. And I know plenty of my colleagues who are really good at some ministry tasks at which I am not good at all, or very mediocre at best. So, if we believe in congregational democracy, if we believe that the lay leaders of the congregation, in some real sense, and not just the pastor, have been called by the very Spirit of God and been given spiritual gifts just as the pastor has, then my humble recommendation to you as you move further into this time of transition with an interim minister and then with a new settled minister is to think and reflect, do 
in support of the very demanding and complex work of your search committee, and then beyond that in support of the whole leadership of the congregation. Let's activate our gifts of spiritual reflection and prayer and concrete support for one another, because we are one with one another in this precious expression of Christ's body called Neighborhood Church of Laguna Beach, California. And last word, let's remember too that our brother Paul speaks not just of the gifts of the Spirit, but also the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May these, by God's grace, be with us all more fully now in the time to come than ever before. Amen.